chapter 1. We've been studying on the basics of faith, and uh, we're, we're trying to look at it, look at faith from as many angles as we can. I like something Charles Cap says. He says, I'm going to say it so many different ways, you're going to get it. Today I want us to deal with why, why we ought to study this subject of faith. And I'm not just talking about, you know, giving you the word. You need to get in. One brother, I heard uh, this, this brother give a testimony on uh, Kenneth Copeland's um, his magazine, Voice of Victory, and he was, he was, uh, he said he was needing a change in their finances, and so when he came home from work, he would go down to his study room after supper, and he would start digging into the scriptures in the area of finances. And he said, you know, he did that for, I don't know, how long? I don't remember the, the amount of time. But he did that for quite a while. And he said, my, my finances are not, never, never been like this. They have increased more than I could have imagined. He got to study in the word on finances. And, and uh, so, I'm just telling you, you want to change, make a change. If, <clears throat> I want you to see that, that faith is so vitally, so vitally important to us that, that we need to understand how it works. Want this up higher? Can't get it up much higher. Hey, do put it on my lip. <laughs> All right, is that better? <clears throat> Romans 1, 17, 17 and 18. Or... For in it, and, and if you back up to verse 16, he's talking about the gospel. Now, change your thinking about gospel. You know, we have, uh, in Christianity, we have taken the word gospel to mean the, the message of salvation. Gospel means good news. The message of salvation is good news. But that's only a very tiny part. It's like slicing up a pie. You know, you can, you can slice it up in, in four pieces. You can cut it up in eight pieces. You know, you can... You can I like to cut my own pie. My wife. 
So, you know, uh, there's a lot of different things in the gospel. So, he says, for in it, the, in, in it, the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed. You know, you don't get it all at once. It's from faith to faith. You steps. You know, there's steps that you can't take right now because you haven't grown to that place. But as you get to that get to that one next next spot, you're there for a while, and then you. Come on up. But notice he says, revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Committee meeting back here? <laughs> okay. Now, anything that we are called, called upon to live by certainly demonstrates it, it, its importance. Four times... Once in the Old, Old Testament, I think it's Habakkuk 2.4. I love the way that one, that one is, is written. The just shall live by his faith. It's, it's in, uh, the, in the gospel in the New Testament at least three, maybe four times. And it talks about the just shall live by faith. So what does that say to you? If you're supposed to live by faith, how can you live by it? How can now listen? How can you live by it effectively if you don't even know what it is? I remember growing up and I would hear the pastor say, the just shall live by faith. Okay. How do you do that? They never hit on that. They just kept on going. So we need to know, know how it works. What does it, uh, what, what it does, it, what, what it does if you are to live by it. Okay? So we need to know how it works and what it does for us to live by it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break this down just as simple as the dumbest person in here can, can get it. Bruce is squirming up here. 
Brother Hagen used to do that. He said, I'm, I'm trying to break it down so that even, you know, and he'd call somebody by name and they'd do, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, notice, notice this scripture here says that the just shall live by faith. I'm, I'm gonna, going to uh, make a statement here that I want you to get. Faith is a way of life. Faith is a way of living. You know, you have to develop some habits. You don't just come to church and talk about it. Take it outside. How can I do this outside? Faith is a way of life. Faith is a way of living. Uh, notice here in this, in this verse, you'll find the word just. And in the, in the uh, let's just say the New Testament, you'll find, uh, find this, this word just. Just, justified, justification. They're all, they all come together. They're all part of a root word, all right? It literally declares righteous, or, or it, it, it literally is to, it's literally, the word just, justified, justification, all have to do with righteousness. It's, it's declaring our righteousness. You know, when you accept Jesus as your, or, or Jesus as your Savior, God sent His Son to remedy the sin problem. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior, now listen to this. God declares you righteous. When you receive Jesus, the Father declares you righteous. Now, I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to, I, we may not get through this today, but I'm going to start. Um, divorce yourself from the thinking of feeling. I don't feel. Stop that. Because you're cheating yourself. If you're going to live on the basis of your feelings, you're going to lose a lot of the blessings of God. How do you feel righteous? What does it feel like? You know, if you're saying, well, I don't feel. Okay, tell me how does it supposed to feel? Little doodads running up and down your back. Tingly stuff. No, it's not a feeling. It's a declaration. Righteousness is a big sounding word. And it's not something that we live by. Okay? We don't live. Most people, they don't use that word more than once a year. If even then. 
It's just not a part of our vocabulary. <clears throat> but I think it, it, would be, it would be good to give you a, uh, a sample definition of righteousness. What does it mean? It simply means the, uh, the simple definition of righteousness means right standing with God. Okay, uh, E.W. Kenyon, E.W. Kenyon gives this definition. The ability, now this may, may rattle some of you, but that's okay. You need to be rattled. E.W. Kenyon says it this way, the ability to stand in God's presence in God's presence without guilt, shame, condemnation. Got your seatbelt on? Or inferiority. To stand before God as though you had never sinned. But I have. I've sinned. But when you get born again, yes. the blood of Jesus wipes all that away. Yes. And he says, I won't remember your sins anymore. Yes. He doesn't come out. He doesn't, you know, some of you men know, if I say this to my wife, I will never hear the end of it. She'll keep bringing it back up five years from now, ten years. I'll never get away from it. God doesn't do that. You make a boo-boo one day and you go, is he going to bring that back up? He doesn't do that. I'm going to give this to you again. And remember what I said about feelings? This is, this is one of those things. I just don't feel now, what you need to be saying is, I haven't renewed my mind to what this definition says. I may not think in these lines. You need to. Because that's what your redemption has bought for you. The ability to stand in a holy God's presence. How many times have you heard people, the Lord would come and, and say something to them, and they, they, their, their knees are knocking, and, and they just they finally just hit the floor. A holy God coming into the midst of, of flesh. The ability to stand in God's presence without guilt, 
His blood has washed away the guilt, the shame, condemnation. We, you know, if you go back and read the epistles more, it talks about we are created in His image after His likeness. Father wants, let, let me say it this way. Jesus comes into the Father's presence without any problem. Do you know that you are seated yes. next to God yes. in heaven yes. now? You, you may not realize it, but you have moved up. You moved into, you know, like, like the, the moving on up. Now, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, let me, let me read it to you. Um, if, you if you go to Ephesians 1, start uh, in verse 15 and read all the way down talks about what Christ did in, in redeeming us. And then you start in verse 2, chapter 2. And you, <clears throat> you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. <clears throat> Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of, children of wrath, just as others. But, but, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Because of, now get this, because of his love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in, in trespasses, made us alive, now listen, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together. So when Christ was raised from the dead, I was raised. And made us sit together. Who is the us? It's not me and you. It's me and Jesus. And made us sit together in heavenly places. Whoa, whoa. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I am.
You'll notice this plant is one. This part is like, is, is like this part. I am in Christ. It's not, not that, you know, the, the father likes this one better than this one. If I'm in Jesus, the Bible says we're one spirit. So it's not that the Father loves Jesus more than us. He loves me as much as he does Jesus. Because I'm in him. I realize that those, these are some thoughts that people go... <coughs> We get this. We get this definition from from uh, from the definition of, of justification. Obviously, if you've been declared righteous, if you've been declared righteous by the Father, I must have a, have right standing with God. And, and not wrong standing any longer Amen. because of the blood of Jesus. Yes, that's right. yes. yes that's true. Thank Look over at Colossians 1. Colossians 1, this is, this is a, go back up to uh, 11 on down through there, and uh, just take some time to think about what he's saying to you. Get this down in your heart, verse, verse 13. He has delivered us. Make it personal. He has delivered me. You know, for me to talk about you being delivered is one thing. But when I get it making it personal, this is me we're talking about. This is something I've got. He has delivered me from the authority. King James or the New King James says the power but really the word is, is the word authority. Who has delivered me from the authority of darkness. So the kingdom of darkness had authority over me when I lived, when I, before I was saved, because I was a part of that kingdom. And conveyed me into the kingdom. Let me read that again. 
He has delivered me from the authority of darkness and conveyed me. I tell you, I like the King James in this one. I just can't. I like, I like it. Who hath delivered me from the power, <laughs> from the power of authority of darkness and has translated me into the kingdom. Think about it. Into the kingdom of his dear son in whom I have delivered, or I have redemption or deliverance Rescue through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. My wife comes downstairs sometimes, and, and I'm watching Star Trek or something. And uh, she, she's got this thing that she stands on, and, and, and it's an exercise deal. And she, she'll hear, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> Okay, turn with me to 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1. Look at verse uh, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with, with corruptible things like silver and gold, from, from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus. This is what you were redeemed with. As, as, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Now, many... <clears throat> Many people through the years have thought that, that righteousness was something you had to do. It's something that a Christian had to do. For instance, the way you live, the way you dress, the way a woman wears her hair, You know, stuff like that. Righteousness was, uh, was considered, it was always considered an, an external something that you did. Now listen to read real close. And actually people have confused righteousness and holiness. Yes. Holiness has to do with the quality of your life lived on a daily basis. In other words, holiness is something that you are responsible for. Yes. Now, look, look with me again at Colossians 1. Holiness is a twofold thing. Okay? Colossians uh, 1 21 
And you who, were, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he, notice, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. He did that. Now, the, the, other, the other part is you have to maintain. You're called to holiness. You're not called to live the way the world lives. I don't give a rip if everybody and their dog is doing stuff. I, I hear that, you know, well, everybody does this. Only the people that are on their way to hell. I'm not going to. For me and my house, we don't play that game. You listening? God made me holy and blameless. Now I have to walk in that. On the other hand, righteousness is God's responsibility. Now listen. There is absolutely not a thing in the world that you can do to make yourself more righteous. Yes, that's true. Nothing you can do. You're righteous, behave like it. And that doesn't mean, you know, the ladies wear it up to here, down to here, and down to here. And they have a beehive up here. I remember in, in, when I was in college, there was one little girl that uh, worked in uh, the administration office. And she she's a little shorter than Liddy. Did a little bitty thing. And uh, she had, had hair down to here. I mean, beautiful hair, just gorgeous. And uh, she worked in Dr. Moon's office. And uh, <clears throat> one day she came to school and the hair wasn't there anymore. It was, she had bobbed it. He gave her so much grief. I mean, I, it was ridiculous. I thought, why do you put up with that jerk? Doctor or not, I don't care. Anyway, he uh, he gave her grief because you know women are not supposed to cut their hair. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so anyway. <clears throat> The, this this uh, righteousness is what we were made in the new birth. Yes. Right standing is, is simply right standing, or righteousness is simply right standing with God. Now, Adam in the Garden of Eden disobeyed God and caused a breach in the, in the relationship. 
between God and man. In other words, there was a falling out. God and Adam fell out. But really, it wasn't God. It was Adam that fell out. He screwed it up for everyone. Consequently, man was, was actually, through Adam, declared by God unrighteous. Because of what, he, what Adam did, it was passed on to all of us. Unrighteousness is simply righteousness with a prefix of un, not. So when Adam sinned, he caused the whole of mankind to become unrighteousness. Out of fellowship with God, no communication. Okay? Now, the Father sent His Son to rectify the situation. Through His death, burial, and resurrection, man was brought back into right standing. You know, when when, uh, it first began, Adam couldn't couldn't, uh, sin and have it made right. That's right. So the so the question today is how do you how do you stand with God? How do you stand with God? Yes. You know, if you if you sin, you mess up something. What does that do for me? Let me show you a maintenance scripture. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins yes, amen. Notice, confess our sins. Don't go to God and say, God, I messed up. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything. You didn't confess nothing. Other than you're dumb. He says, if we confess our sins, name it, put your finger on it. I hit my wife. I kicked the dog. I cussed at my kids. Whatever it is. Put your finger, you know, if you don't put your finger on it, you'll never stop doing it. You'll keep right on doing it. I, I, I learned a long time ago. There were things I don't want to repeat. I don't want to go back to that. So put your finger on it and say, that's a sin. I did that, God, and name it. If we confess our sins, he, on the other hand, is faithful and righteous, or it says just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That way we continue to maintain that, that, that fellowship with God.
Romans 1.17 again. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, if you are the righteousness of God, let me say something. Let me just read this to you. You don't need to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You know, we, we use that, that term, made the righteousness of God. Some people don't, don't know what we're talking about. For he, talking about God, hath made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Think about what it's saying. The righteousness the righteousness of God. He took His righteousness and made us Righteous with that same righteousness. You know that's why why I said uh, one of the one of the terms of righteousness is being able to stand in the presence of God without any inferiority. Because I'm standing before Him with His own righteousness. I realize I realize that's kind of strong, but. God. So if, if you are the righteousness of God, then you should be living by faith. Right? The just shall live. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. How often do you live? Birth, birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Father's Day. How often do you live? Huh? Well, then if we're living, living every day, <coughs> then we ought to be living by faith every day. So if I'm supposed to live by faith, I had better know what it is and and what does it do? Yes. How to do it. Yes. That is true. Because if that's a requirement from God for me, I want to develop this to be pleasing. You say, you're, you're, are you saying that if I don't do it, he's not going to love me? No, he'll love you. But will he be pleased with you? You see the gears turning. 
How do those, you mean you can separate those two things? So, go to, go to uh, Matthew 11. Faith is a way of life. Now, here, listen to this. It is the God kind of life. Jesus came and he demonstrated it here on the earth. Mark 11. I'm sorry, Matthew. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you and learn from me. I never did like learn of me. You know, if, I, if I'm learning of you and somebody's teaching me, and what they may be teaching me may be twisted by their unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. But if I come to him, mm -hmm. if I come to him, then I can learn from him. Yes. Yes. Amen. So, go with me over to uh, second, um, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. First Timothy six twelve. We're going to look at the first five or six words. Fight the good fight of faith. Now this this is very is a very important statement. God through the apostle Paul is telling us to, to what? Fight. Fight. There are several things here that are, that are important to us. First of all, he tells us that we're in a fight. And as believers, you are in it whether you want to be or not. You know, one, one lady left our church a long time ago. I was talking about uh, something, and uh, I was talking about homosexuals. Mm -hmm. Put it out there and say it the way it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lydia, she caught Lydia in the grocery store one day, and uh, you know, we, I was talking about homosexuals in, the, in relation to demonic activity. And uh, she says, you know, this... This demon stuff, I don't, ooh, I just make, ugh, can't stand it. So she didn't, she didn't want to come. We were talking about that. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is, they are in the earth. Yeah. No way around that. So that we are in a fight. But listen, don't, no, don't run off. Stay with me. God tells him here, fight. First of all, we're in a fight because we're here in this planet. Believer or not believer? 
you know, if, you, if, if a non-believer could get a hold of this, yes. their daddy is a child abuser. The, uh, one of the worst that you will ever find. Absolutely. And, uh, but we're in another family, uh-huh. and we're still in this fight, but our daddy takes care of us. When we when we're born into the into humanity, we're we're born into onto a battlefield, really. Yes. Yes. But then uh, you you become a Christian, and that just kind of amplifies the situation. But if you stop to think about it, Christian or not, we all we're all living in this fight. However, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to word this in a way where you're going to get it. The, the only fight that the Christian is called upon to fight is the fight of faith. Now, uh, I remember growing up in the denomination that I was raised in, and... Uh, these people weren't filled with the Spirit. And, you know, here it says we're called to fight. God, they did. Deacons were all the time fighting. People in the church were fighting each other. And you know why, you know why so many, uh, why there are so many splinter groups among certain denominations. Church splits. They're all the time giving place to the flesh and that carnal, you know. There's only one fight we are called to fight. The fight of faith. He says something else here. He says, fight the good fight. How in the world do you fight a good fight? Well, he tells you it's it's the fight that you win. That that tells me that my father is not calling me to fight, fight a fight. where I probably would get whipped. He didn't say fight the fight. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He did not say fight the fight of faith. He said fight the good fight of faith. Because he wants us to win, yes. you know it. It uh, it's always good when your team is winning. Yeah. Your boxers is uh, coming up on top. Yeah. 
those are always good. But whenever uh, they lose, oh man, that was a really <coughs> lousy game. Didn't didn't you see that? Did you see what that quarterback did? This script this this scripture represents that same principle. God wants you to win. Now, now listen. You know, we, we have problems with the devil. And people people begin to cringe when they think of something like but if you think of it from God's perspective, what he's saying here, he wants us to fight the, the, the good fight of faith. When you see that he's behind you and he's, he's pulling for you, then you think, oh, boy, come here, devil. Where are you? Come here, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know? You begin to look look for him to show up. You know, he, he, he wants you to win, and everything necessary for you to win has already been provided for you. And you and and you find it in the word. You remember that little kid? about 17, redhead. And there's this big loudmouth down in the valley shooting off his mouth. He's looking at all these, these men that have been in, been in war before and they're shaking in their boots and shaking in their sandals, I say. <laughs> and he says... He went and picked up some rocks and says, I'll go take care of this jerk. He wasn't, he wasn't ducking or hiding and cringing. He went out there and told him what he's going to do to him and did it. Why? Because he knew what the word said about him. He knew he had a covenant with God. But you have to know it and know how to activate it. Anyway, you know, go over to Isaiah 55. You know, many people hear what we teach here and they turn their nose up at it because it doesn't make sense to their carnal thinking. I want to show you what the word, what the Lord says about that. 55 verse 7. Let the wicked, wicked, people that don't take sides with God's word, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he, he will abundantly pardon. Yes. Now watch, watch what God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Yes. He's saying my thoughts are superior yes. to what you think. 
nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So, you know, he's saying, you want success? Come on over here and I'll show you how to do it. But if you're going to continue to do it the way you're doing it, your thoughts, your ways, your failures, they're all going to be yours. And my thoughts, then your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but, the, but water the earth and make it <coughs> excuse me and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word underline that so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void empty non-productive But it shall, my word shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall, you shall go out with joy and be led with peace. You shall go out with joy. Notice how you're led. Peace. Peace leads you. If you don't understand how to operate in it, operate in faith, you'll be defeated. And that's, that's a bad reflection on the Father. I don't want to be an embarrassment to my Father. Well, why didn't God do something? Why didn't He step in? He's done everything he's going to do. He's provided everything you need. And his word, it, it, and you find it in his word. That's what you take, take to defeat the enemy. So the thing is, now it's up to you to step up, do something. You know, when you, are, when you are using the word, I'll tell you what's, what, what's going to happen. When you step up and you start taking the word and using the word against symptoms, against sickness, whatever, you're not going to see a change. You get that? You're not going to see a change, usually, just so, so you're not seeing anything. The pain hasn't subsided. Things are still, you know, when you're dealing with pain, that's a whole different ball game. The thing is, we're not moved by the pain. We need to be moved by the word. Jonah 
second chapter, uh, last two, three verses, he makes a statement. He's in the fish, fish's belly. He, is, he has prayed. He got in faith, and he has repented. And, you know, he's been, been in there for a while now. You know, I don't think it's going to take a whole lot of time. You think, well, what's he doing? You know, I don't think it took him a whole lot of time once that fish swallowed him. I don't think it took long for him to repent. What, what kind of acid is in there? The digestive? Hmm? Gastric acid? It's nibbling at his toes, you know. And uh, I don't think it took him a whole lot of time to repent and get right with God. So he's, he's, he's prayed, he's made his confessions, and yet this stuff is still burning his skin. And he makes a statement that is profound. Uh, some, some translations have tried to use, use it in con conjunction with idols, but in context, idols never were even brought up. Jonah says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What's a lying vanity? Something that speaks, something that... Go to the King James. They that observe lying vanities. Anything that, that makes what you have just prayed in faith tries to, tries to uh, make it look like a lie. They that observe lies. That, that thing is, is staring me in the face. I have prayed in faith, and yet I am still confronted with this, this situation that looks like what I have just prayed isn't working. When we get our, our, our eyes on those things, we forsake our own mercy. We forsake God's moving on our behalf. He said here in Isaiah, my words are higher than your words. When I began speaking the, the word over my body, over the circumstances, over the, the symptoms, he said, my word does not return to me void. My word, he's saying, he's saying, my word is working. Keep your faith on my word. The only fight that you are in is the faith fight. We're not fighting other churches. Amen. 
I learned a long time ago. You know, people have been sheep stealers to me. They've come and stole sheep that were people here. And you know, I could, I could talk ugly about them, but I thought, no, I'm not going to get, get over into strife because that's going to work against me. So I'm not in a fight for fight. I'm not going to say anything about any pastors here. <clears throat> we are, you know, we're not even called to fight the devil. Hello. Some people think we are called to fight the devil. Show me. Chapter and verse. We're not even called to fight the demons. Because number one, you couldn't you couldn't defeat you could not defeat a demon or your spirit being. How do you know where he is? <clears throat> We're not even called to fight the devil. Because Satan's already defeated. Jesus Jesus fought him for us. And his victory is our victory. Jesus, Jesus never fought the devil to see who was the champion. He went there, went into hell. He, he took, he, Jesus took our place in the ring. He fought, he fought him for us and his victory is our victory. I just, I love it when I, when I read Ephesians. It says, yeah. he's under my feet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Colossians 1. You. you know, I, I, I if you will listen to this, stop turning your pages and look at me. If you will, if you'll get a hold of this, this will help you immensely. Satan is a bully. And he is a super con man. What do you call a con? A what? Big time. A liar. He is a bully and a liar. Listen, if he can, he will con you into thinking, con you into thinking that he has some kind of power over you and that he can play with your life whenever and wherever he wants to and there's nothing you can do about it. Those are the words of a con man. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, 
do not cease to pray for you and to, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge, the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for uh, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He qualified you. It doesn't matter what the devil says. You is. Father says so. Verse 13, he has, past tense, delivered us from the authority of darkness. Think about it. The devil has no authority over you unless you give it to him. You say, well, why in the world would I give it to him? Because you can't control your mouth. We start talking unbelief, and that's where he gets his authority. He has delivered me from the authority of darkness and conveyed me into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom, in whom, we have redemption. We have deliverance. We have rescue through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. See, sins open the door for the devil to get in. But we have been delivered. We've been delivered from that by the blood. You know, but from the standpoint of the Word of God, He's already defeated. So why would I waste my time on Him? My wife came to me one time. We were we were in Texas, and uh, she was going through some things back then. I I I tried to tell her, she didn't want to hear it, but. The, the girls there in the college were jealous of her because of the way she looks. I told her, I said, honey, they're just jealous of you. <laughs> and so they were, you know, and, and she said she was praying one day and the Lord was talking to her and he said, why should you why should you be concerned about somebody that you don't even want to be like? Yes, that is true. He told me that about something else. Okay, well, the point, the point is, why would I care about somebody that would, would 
I don't even want to be like. Why? Anyway, Mark 16. So from the, from the word, of, from the standpoint of the word, the devil's already defeated. Yes, amen. Uh, chapter 16, and verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Don't, believe, don't be one of those non-believing believers. In my name, they will cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. So are you a believer? Well, then he's talking to you. He does not say fight demons. He says cast them out. You know, you're, you're already standing in, standing in a superior stance. Just cast them out. Now, that, that cast them out, that means throw them out. Throw them out. You, you couldn't throw them out if you did not have, have authority to do this. Luke, Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This, this word power here is the word dunamis. And one of the ways this, this word is used is, uh, or translated, is ability. Now think about what he's saying. I give you authority over all the ability. Behold, I give, let, let's, let's, let's reread that. Behold, I give you authority, which literally means right or privilege, yeah. to trample on, which means to walk on, serpents, scorpions, and over all the power or the ability of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Authority, authority, whew, is greater than ability. You know, I, I could, uh, I, I, would, I would rather have authority than ability because I can do more. Yes. Ability can be, can be limited. Uh, my physical ability, mental, understanding or something. But if I have authority that surpasses that. So authority transcends all the rest of that. Now the word serpent and scorpions are used metaf metaphorically of Satan and his demon. These words <clears throat> They're, they're, they're just they're trying to uh, point out something. You say, well, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Here's something to think about. If you're walking on something, no matter what you're walking on, it's always under your feet. If it's under your feet, that means you're on top of it. Because your feet, your feet, no matter where you are in the body of Christ, even if, you're, even if you are uh, on the bottom of the foot, you still have authority over him. I've got just as much authority as the neck. We are the body of Christ, and regardless where you are in the body, yes. he's still defeated. Now, here's something that we're going to close for, with this. Satan, Satan may try to put sickness on you, but he has no legal authority. He is, a, he is a, a renegade spirit trying to do things that he has no authority to do. You have the authority to stop it. The thing about it is Jesus sealed that with his own blood. I'll stand up. <clears throat> I'm going to ask a question here. Lydia brought up something at the beginning of the service. Is there anyone here that you came this morning expecting something, something specific? Is there anyone here you came this morning with an expectation of something specific? Somebody, where? One believer here. Hmm? Okay, is there anybody that you need to have hands laid on you? You're in pain. Oh, 
She didn't go by beyond 30. Yeah. He he was mowing on a hill. Yeah. On an incline. Mm -hmm. And the mower went Mower. one way and you went yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, my feet. I was trying to catch myself. Not funny, excuse me for laughing. Oh. Wasn't funny, probably. He says he was only flying like 40 miles an hour. Oh my goodness. And you lift, yeah. lift your arm? These men were married. Yeah. So what did you come up here for? For healing. For healing. Yes. He yes. wants okay. that pain gone. Yes. So, so what's going to what's gonna, what's happen? Do, do the hands hurt too? Yeah. Yeah, the hands. <coughs> Down here, down here, up here. <laughs> so you you came for the shoulder. Yep. Yeah. No, so what's going to happen when we lay hands on you? My little face. Gets... All what? Of All of them. I release that healing anointing into this shoulder. 